Hello, this is the England Athletics Podcast. In this episode, we'll reflect on some of the challenges in the sport and how they can be turned into opportunities to make changes and improvements. We'll talk about everything from athletes to officials, putting on competitions, how can we make them more attractive, how can we get more spectators at them, to the role of coaches and the difference between UK athletics and England athletics and the roles that they play. Joining me are England Athletics CEO Chris Jones and Chair Gary Shaughnessy. Chris, let's just start with how great it's been to have a full summer of athletics with three major championships, including a home Commonwealth Games in Birmingham. It's what we've all needed, isn't it, Alex, after the last couple of years of trials and tribulations, the challenges we've all faced and the disruption to our daily lives. Fantastic to see the many clubs active again, the investments that have been made in a large number of track and field facilities to improve quality of facility available to athletes and runners of all abilities, but also the number of competitions that have been provided for our athletes as we take those steps back towards normality. And of course, the Commonwealth Games, the kind of landmark, if you like, for home-based competition, an event that I think will have inspired so many to get involved in our sport, whether that be taking their first strides as a performer or indeed getting involved as a volunteer. We know coming into 2022 that there were likely to be some challenges, lasting impacts of the pandemic when it came to participation levels. And we're actually realising that now, particularly in track and field athletics. And the number of individuals participating in competitions across the country has declined, particularly amongst young people of the ages of 16, 17, 18 and upwards. That's a challenge, but it's also an opportunity if we think with an open mind about what we could do about this. It's responsibility and accountability for all of us. And at England Athletics, we're going to be spending quite a lot of time in the close season reviewing the data and considering whether our service provision is as good as it could be. Are our own national championships as good as they could be? Are they providing that high quality experience for all involved, embracing technology, embracing the digital age, an attractive proposition during a time where there is so much more that people can do with their leisure time? And perhaps what worked five years, 10 years, and longer ago will not work in this modern era. Can we explain what the role is of England Athletics and the Home Country Associations versus UK Athletics and how that is evolving, Gary? I I think it's becoming much more distinctive. The UK Athletics is very focused on elite performance, the overall rules of, of the sport and how that applied within the UK, how that relationship with world athletics works and elite competition the individual countries whether it's uh, england athletics or wales or or scotland or northern ireland are very much focused on absolutely everything else in terms of engagement governance experience for people right the way across the sport commonwealth games is our kind of peak 
at England Athletics, Wales, Scotland, Northern Ireland, if you like. You know, every four years we have the pleasure and the the honour of taking the England team to the Commonwealth Games. Then every year uh, in between we take, you know, over 30 international teams to compete for England at developmental level. And of course, responsible for the talent ID, talent development systems in England. And, uh, you know, in providing good services, good quality services to our 1,400 clubs and 300 member bodies and in a, in a normal year, nearly 190,000 registered athletes in those clubs. And we're gradually getting back towards that figure, having, uh, you know, realised a 25% drop during pandemic times. But, um, you know, whether you're a five or six hour marathon runner or whether you are an aspiring athlete on the talent pathway in our member club, there is something for you. One tangible example of where the role and responsibility between UKA and England athletics has become clearer over the last few months could be um, England athletics taking over responsibility now for road race services and road race licensing. Previously, uh, UKA through its Run Britain arm was responsible for that and we as home countries would part finance that. The overlap is becoming less. England athletics doesn't have the elite performance but it has the impact across a much greater footprint in by way of, of people and we change lives in different ways than UKA do but just as fundamentally. And just to show the kind of importance of that alignment and collaboration would be illustrated by Katarina Johnson-Thompson. I mean Katarina Johnson-Thompson of course Liverpool Harrier came through the development pathway if you like uh, as a registered athlete of England Athletics, now competing for Great Britain and Northern Ireland on the world stage, but also our brand ambassador for our four to 11-year-old school club and community program, Phonetic. So that shows symmetry, if you like, and the connection between grassroots participation, moving through the development stages to becoming an elite athlete. And just to, to add a specific example, which I think is really important, actually, is we're involved, and I did something recently, which involved uh, the Daily Mile, working with schools to um, engage teachers and parents and children to help support um, having that one mile a day of exercise, whether that's you know walking, running, or a combination of the two, making it exciting and making it interesting. We do have an issue, as as does a lot of developed markets in Western Europe and in the US, with activity and engagement with younger people. The Daily Mile is a great example of encouraging kids to really get involved and, and enjoy themselves and see sport as, as something that's a positive, enjoyable thing. But the impact of that is reducing obesity levels. It's helping people uh, be healthier. This is what can make a huge difference by establishing the right practices, the right positive engagement from early days so it becomes, athletics becomes a sport that can create joy right the way through their lives. And there's a real opportunity there, as I see at a local level, to connect the school and the club to one another. And there are clubs that are, you know, utilising the phonetics programme in specific parts of the country to make sure that young people have a great introduction to our sport, blooding new young leaders, volunteers, coaches, and in some cases, generating revenue from the programme to reinvest refurbishing facilities or purchasing equipment or paying towards transport costs for team competitions and what have you. 
you so often hear an athlete say it was my teacher who suggested I join a running club so that's really key isn't it those moments coming through actually having the teacher having the presence of mind to suggest that someone join an athletics club I agree with that I mean my role model growing up was my PE teacher who was involved with the different sports clubs in the local city and consequently I went and participated and did into my late 20s early 30s sadly I think these days there has a has been a decline in specialist sports teachers actively involved in sports clubs. Not a criticism. I just think that teachers are asked to do a hell of a lot these days. So I think that provides an opportunity for the local sports club to reach out and and engage in curricular time or extracurricular time through the delivery of on-site school clubs and then to provide that feeder for the young people to then be part of the main club. There are so many sports competing for attention. What do you think athletics has to do to try and increase the share it gets in the newspapers, on television, to make sure it's promoted better? And does England athletics play a role in that? Absolutely. We do need to do this, Alex. But I think the thing for me is the first part of this is recognising the successes that we've got. There are some brilliant stories when you look at performances, when you look at successes, when you look at people overcoming real challenges in order to be committed and succeed. And I think those can be incredibly motivational, but it's up to us to be confident about our sport. It's also important that we talk positively about the engagement that people can have, not just as an elite athlete, but um, in getting themselves fitter and using the sport as a way of having the right work-life balance, managing their physical and mental health. This is about changing lives and impacting lives and impacting the state of the nation. And of course, coming out of what has been a very challenging couple of years with rising cost of living, the accessibility of our sport, the inclusive nature of our sport, the fact that in its rudimentary form, all you need really is a pair of trainers and some space to get out and run There's so much that our sport can offer. I think it's a resource that government and other agencies working within those respective spaces could really work with us to explore and make more of. You know, if you were to tally up the amount of hours that our volunteers contribute towards quality of life and quality of experience, then I think if you had to pay for that in pound coins, you'd really struggle to do that. What impacts do you think the the cost of living might have on the running of the sport and what can we do to negate that? That's That's a great question, actually, because the reality is the facilities available in different parts of the country, different postcodes vary enormously. The capability to support the investment in facilities and infrastructure is clearly, from a government perspective, going to be impacted by the economic position. If we ask people to travel long distances to go into competitions, then the cost of fuel, etc., is is going up and has been going up, is a real problem. So we have to be really clear about why athletics is so important from a community and a society's point of view, so that from a government perspective, There is the support to make sure that when you're limiting spend, you don't limit it in terms of the health and mental and physical health of the country. 
and we need to be empathetic. It is difficult for people to afford participation in the way that I've talked about, and let's make, make it as easy for people to engage and make sure that everyone can engage in the sport. Sourcing commercial income and sponsorship may be a challenge moving forward. That's certainly something we're working collaboratively with the other home countries and UK athletics on. But of course, that will affect clubs locally as well, potentially, where they've relied on local supporters and sponsors to to invest in their activities. We have to react to that and adapt accordingly as a sport and find creative and sustainable ways of doing things. Just to finish on a positive, if you like, in that regard, in terms of solutions, England Athletics will be launching its charitable foundation, Personal Best Foundation, targeting track and field athletics, particularly through the lens of young people looking to remove barriers where they do exist that may prevent young people from enjoying our great sport. A charitable foundation that will look to partner where appropriate with other charities to income generate and to invest in the sport across the country. Already mentioned earlier, track and field participation numbers have declined and we believe the charity will be one of a number of solutions that will help us to overcome that challenge and ensure that we're unearthing participants of all backgrounds but also those who display talent who might have aspirations to go to the very top. I remember hearing from a number of athletes how watching London 2012 inspired them no doubt be the same about the Commonwealth Games but also it was interesting at the European Under-18 Championships where Great Britain won twice as many medals as any other country that uh, a couple of the athletes I saw in some of the notes, they said they'd actually got into it during lockdown where it was one of the few things that they could do because all they needed was a pair of trainers. So maybe we're going to have a generation that actually had the benefit of the ease of access of athletics during the pandemic, which would be great to see, wouldn't it? It would be great to see, but I, I think the ripple effect that comes from whether it's the Commonwealth Games or whether it comes from the sport more broadly is a really strong part of this. You know, you end up with success creates interest and it creates engagement and it makes people want to be involved. But advocacy does the same as well. So you end up with people who get involved as a coach, get involved as a volunteer enjoy the sport and and that enjoyment rubs off on others around them we've also got to keep moving forward i mean i think for me one of the great things that comes out again and again is how technology can keep on uh, making the sport more accessible more comparable that you can identify how you compare with someone running on the other side of the world of the same age and in the rush to bring the sport back to the participation levels that we've seen previously, if we drive the quality down in doing that, we don't have experiences that are really exciting and interesting and engaging for athletes and for spectators. You know, that, that's to our detriment. There are so many opportunities for people to engage and use their leisure time. We've got to make sure that Athletics continues to stand out as um, exciting, dramatic, engaging and a sport that helps people realise their potential. Building on that, we've had a conversation within England Athletics recently about volunteering 
um, particularly technical officials and the number of technical officials that are available to work in our sport. Of course, all giving their time voluntarily. It's a fantastic, magnificent effort that has been the case for a number of years, but times are changing. People have less disposable time, as we referenced. So actually, do we need more officials coming in at the base? Well, my instinctive reaction to that is that is a good position to be in, to have a broad and deep base to the pyramid. But actually, we could we be more efficient around how we deploy that voluntary effort? And does that mean that we perhaps need to reduce the number of competitions that take place in some cases, or at least plan our time better and consider working more in partnership as organisations? Having three competitions might not be as effective as maybe having one competition where you're merging your resource, merging your efforts, reducing time in the calendar and making the best use of the volunteers that are available. So this kind of thinking is taking up quite a lot of time at England Athletics as we look at our own activities, our own events. And I'm sure that those thoughts are in the in the kind of minds of people who are delivering their own events and own competitions across the country. What do we know about the the picture in terms of officials and, and how that might have changed across the last few years? I went to an event recently where instead of having physical scoreboards, the results went onto an app. Let's say it was a modern way of doing things and it worked and it meant that there was a less less need for officials to put up each score. You could check your phone which a lot of people were able to do. So is that kind of innovation that could be a possible solution? Part of the solution. I think what we said before about being efficient in planning and structuring and timetabling events to benefit volunteers and reduce perhaps the need for so many in some cases uh, is, is another part of the solution as well. I certainly think technology has a big part to play. I mean, ultimately, we're not in the in the luxurious position at this moment of being able to automate a lot of our competitions in, in the majority of tracks across the country, automating you know, hurdles that might come out automatically from the side or from the track. As uh, someone has explained to me recently, why don't we do that? Well, that takes significant expense. That would be a transformational project that I'm not sure has been done in any part of the world to date and certainly is something further down the line. Volunteering is a, a vital part of our sport has been for a long period of time and always will be. Yeah, so I think there are a number of factors that can contribute to overcoming the challenge that we face. And the number of officials really has flatlined and declined between four and a half and 5,000 officials in, in England. During the pandemic, many people have reflected on how they best use their time. As we've seen the great resignation, people were resigning from their careers and deciding to do something different. I don't think that's uh, too dissimilar from some of the considerations that people who volunteer have been going through as well. If there is an opportunity to change and use technology, we also need to make sure we do that by listening to and understanding what matters, whether it's to our officials, whether it's to athletes, supporters, coaches, volunteers. And the second thing, which I think is really important, which is real transparency about the information about our numbers and the service levels that we're delivering, how we're doing against the things that matter to those groups that I've just mentioned. I hear all the time people want to see change in the sport. They want to see modernisation. They want to see more attention. They want to see more coverage. But then when 
change does come in, people say, no, not this type of change. We don't want to see this new experimental format. So that makes it a really tough balance to get right, doesn't it? It does. Sadly, whatever the solution, you're not going to please all of the people all the all of the time. But there are, it is clear to us at England Athletics that there are some challenges that we need to face head on uh, with clear data, with transparency, and with collaboration at the forefront at all levels of the sport if we're going to drive our sport for the next 50 or 100 years effectively. Whilst there are aspects of the sports we said before that um, have recovered to pre-pandemic levels, the number of people running recreationally uh, is healthy. We're producing really, really good, talented age group athletes, as we've seen in the competitions this summer. My assessment would be, though, is that the depth and uh, the breadth of that participation pool is not as it could or should be. And so, therefore, if we attract more athletes into our sport, keep them through those challenging teenage years as senior participants in what is a late development sport with a broader and deeper pool that you have, you have a better chance then of producing success at the top level. There are lots of people being very innovative in, in sports, in clubs, in, in competitions. And one of the things we need to do is make sure we're, we're really good at understanding what works and, and then making that available and accessible to all, but also being clear when something doesn't work. What we need to make sure we don't do is allow ourselves to prejudge whether something is going to be successful or not. I think we're all naturally inherently fearful of change because of the unknown. And if we've done things in a certain way for so long, then it is difficult to see a different way. You know, from a perspective of cost, there are considerations there. From a perspective of travel, in some instances, it will take you three, four, five hours to, you know, travel to events and competitions. And in some cases, you might only be competing for a fraction of the time that it took you to get there and then waiting for the rest of the team to complete before going home. How do we apply technology in terms of the event experience before, during and after entry results, you know, music, the food, the refreshments that are available, that whole experience and that journey? We have a responsibility, we believe to make sure that our events are top-notch and the way in which we provide services are top-notch. And we certainly don't get it right all of the time. We make mistakes. Uh, we get a large proportion of stuff right, I believe. Um, so I think it's about all of us recognising that we have a role and responsibility to play in thinking differently and embracing change and opportunity. There have been some really impressive examples of people putting on competition themselves but some great events. The Night of the 10,000 Meter PBs has been around for some years now and evolved in a sort of a, a Glastonbury of athletics. There's the Comeback 5,000 Meters. There's the, uh, the Milton Keynes 5,000 Special. University of Birmingham has had its own track and field series, helped by the fact it has a wonderful new facility. So all of these have had streaming. A lot of them have had live results as well. So Positive examples are also coming out of where people have got more involved themselves in saying we want to put in our own competition. So how can we encourage people to, to say, here are the tools to put on your own event for it to be successful and take fuel from that? Some of the uh, events you cited there, wonderful competitions. I could cite half a dozen more that spring to mind straight away uh, that have embraced 
that opportunity during pandemic and have gone from strength to strength. And I think we do need to be cautious, though, that with the resource that we have available in the sport, are we being as effective at planning and sharing and, and collaborating as we possibly could be? And what I mean by that is, of course, getting back to the situation there with the number of volunteers we have available. The summer season is quite a tight window. Uh, it's quite a congested calendar. Are we spreading the jam too thinly in that regard? And that's not to stifle innovation because we're encouraging innovation. But I think there's something in there really about communicating and sharing at all levels of the sport. I'm actually a big, big fan of league competition, particularly the social interaction, the team environment, and to represent your club and achieve your club, I think is really important. But I think there are probably some opportunities for league organisers. And I know they're doing this. Some of the major leagues are reflecting on whether there are some changes that could be made to format, to geography, and those kind of things, a whole experience that could enhance the experience for those taking part. There's no reason why the calendar cannot comprise of a combination of open events, championships, league competition, and so on and so forth. Successful events that we've seen have energy, they have drama, and they have engagement. That doesn't mean that we can't put infrastructure that supports making that more efficient and making that more accessible on a wider basis. And people might be listening to this thinking, well, it's okay for you guys to say that at England Athletics, you know, you're not organising these competitions and ultimately you've got more resource to do it. We're not, we're not in a position where we are prepared to dictate or stipulate and that would be wrong. This is about socialising ideas, if you like, and just encouraging people to take those, those steps uh, to reevaluate how they currently do things and say, well, we can do things slightly differently here and create something even better than what we're doing now. And we're not exonerated from this. We need to do that with our, with our own events and our own activities, as I've said before. What do you think we can do to try and get more people through the gates to attend national and regional championships? Make things more exciting. Be advocates of the drama, the energy and the excitement that we already have. If we talk the sport down, people go elsewhere. If we don't listen to the feedback about things that do get in the way, then people go elsewhere. In terms of an organisational perspective, just making sure we're considering format, timetabling, all down to the kind of stuff that happens away from the track as well and in the call room and that stuff. It's, it's kind of what's the overall experience. I always go back to night at the 10,000 PBs. I love the novelty factor of runners going through the the tent on the straight the open top bursts that's the one that sticks out in my my mind really uh, as being a kind of trailblazer event and there's no reason why even though that's a different kind of event i think you can take aspects of that and apply it elsewhere so another project that uh, i've been working on bringing athletics is about all about coaches the history of coaching and the stories that have been told by coaches and how in athletics we don't maybe have the same like uh, Sir Alex Ferguson or Jurgen Klopp spotlight on coaches and, and what they say and, and who they are. What can we do to put more spotlight on coaches, which I'm sure in turn, given all we've been talking about, would encourage more people to say, oh, that's absolutely something I want to do. I think role models are fundamentally important, not just in coaching, but uh, also in officiating. 
we have a rich history of coaching in the UK. I think since the England Athletics Hall of Fame was initiated in 2008, almost every year we've inducted a leading coach, a contributor who may be still with us or sadly has, has left us. I think at one time we were certainly the envy of the, the world when it came to coach education and coach development. Some of the great coaches we've developed and the project you're referencing there with Tom McNabb, speaking to some of those individuals who are still with us about their learning journey uh, will inspire others and it will keep cognizant in the minds of people uh, the importance of the history and heritage of our sport as well, which goes back uh, well over 100 years from the tenure of the three A's leading into England athletics. Investment in coaching is important, of course, but it's um, making sure that communication-wise that the importance of coaching and coaches is front and centre. I think at an entry level, we've got a responsibility as organisations to ensure that we are making it as straightforward as possible for people who want to become leaders and coaches to get involved in the first place. I think there's some improvements that we can make. Uh, I'm a big fan of mentorship and mentoring. England Athletics was the initiators of the National and Local Coach Development Programme in 2008. That has now evolved through our talent strategy and hub strategy where we support coaches of athletes on the talent plan. We should create opportunities to bring coaches together to learn and share from each other. I think we're seeing a new generation of former athletes become coaches and, and take on responsibility in that sense. I mean, is there a responsibility on behalf of England Athletics to encourage people who have been athletes not to walk away from the sport, but to remain heavily involved? So people like Christian Malcolm, Leon Baptiste, a young coach who's successful, Robbie Grabars, Olympic medalist, who's recently taken on the, the reins of coaching. Yeah, Kelly Southerton, Jenny Meadows, Darren Campbell, the list is lengthy. Uh, Helen Clitheroe, it's fantastic. It really is great. I think it's great because it's a sustainable model rather than just relying on the same individuals who have worked tirelessly over many, many decades to expect that they will keep going and keep going is not a sustainable solution. I also think there is a great advantage of having the insight of individuals who have been there, seen it, done it, to impart their knowledge of having been there and having experienced the emotions and the challenges that come with working through what is a can be an up and down career as opposed to a straight trajectory there are always challenges and diversity of coaching is so important as well difference of perspective and difference of background well thanks very much to chris and gary for taking part in this discussion if you've enjoyed this episode or of anything you'd like to be discussed in a future podcast let us know via social media or at www.englandathletics.org That's it for this episode, but do subscribe and join us next time.